love, peace, and God's justice to you all. Welcome to another great show. I have to say so even before we get started. And of course, it's because of the guest. Welcome to Nia 2X Radio, the voice of the people. We're profanity-free, found at www.blackonblackunity.com. Indeed, uh, it's a pleasant evening here in D.C., and our guest, Brother Templeton, is calling in from California. I believe he's in California, and tonight, We're going to go to school a little bit. I'm catching the echo there, uh, Brother Templeton, some type of echo. Maybe you have your headsets on because I want everyone, okay, I want everyone to really hear this program tonight because this is a game changer program. That's exactly what it is here in the middle of war if you will. I tell everybody all the time we're in war, and, you know, I think they think I'm expressing myself and it sounds clever. No, this is a reality. It's just not the type of war you're used to. There are no helicopters. There there are no gunships and and, uh, tanks. Nonetheless, it's plenty of war, psychological, physical, Uh, biological, we're in war. But guess what? We have a great uh, ally, if you will. I I won't call him a weapon, but his information certainly informs and helps us to understand and to move out. It's not good enough to just understand after we are receiving the information. We have to do something about it, to make it worth its weight. Without further ado, I want our guest to introduce himself. Y'all know how I mess, well, people know how I can mess up names, and I just refuse to put myself in that position. Peace, love, and God's justice to you, Brother Templeton. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, I am John William Templeton uh, from Statesville, North Carolina. Uh, but I reside in San Francisco, and I have been blessed to be a black journalist and historian for 52 years. And uh, I uh, wrote a trilogy on the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment and had the opportunity to introduce um, my book on the 14th Amendment uh, with uh, Dr. Frank Smith at the African American Civil War um, Museum in D.C. for Frederick Douglass's 200th uh, birthday in 2018. Mm-hmm. So over the next uh, four weeks, we're going to be doing a training on what the 14th Amendment is because there are a lot of people who are trying to distort it and uh, Uh, use it uh, against us. Uh, And that only happens because we don't know what it is. So we want to be armed with the knowledge of our greatest political achievement and perhaps the uh, greatest political achievement in history. That 14th Amendment. And you're right, uh, Brother John, 
William Templeton. You're so right because most black people in particular, and I would say the average person, we're just not reading the amendments at all. You know, we, we come out of school and we feel like, oh, I've been there, done that, I know that. But it appears that there those in Congress today, 2023, 2024, we're in an election year, and we have to really get serious, brothers and sisters. We cannot slip. We cannot allow the opposition to, let's say, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. We cannot let those who oppose DEI, those who have already gutted the amendment in the Civil Rights Bill that was signed in 1964, the opposition is making bold moves that have lingering effects for hundreds of years, if we're not careful, because the Supreme Court can uphold by law if we're not properly educated, informed, and know how to, uh, in a sense, someone goes out to the shooting range, they give you a weapon, then they give you your rounds, and we don't know where the rounds go in the weapon. See, I mean, we're short. We're going to lose the contest. But tonight's guest is here to ask all of us, just stop, just stop for a moment, and just consider how important it is to know the 14th Amendment because I plan to enroll in his course after he explained to a group of us on Zoom not too long ago. And it is very critical because once we are armed with knowledge, then we can see the open enemy's plan, be able to defeat it and destroy it. Is that right, Brother John? Oh, you are preaching to the choir. So the 14th Amendment is the most important part of the U.S. Constitution. Um, when the uh, Civil War uh, happened, there was no uh, dome on top of the Capitol. So the, the Capitol had a big hole on top of it. And that uh, was a result of the British uh, burning down the Capitol in uh, 1812. So, uh, so the Capitol wasn't completed and the Constitution wasn't completed. And the reason that the Constitution wasn't completed was that in the original Constitution, it said that people who were black were three-fifths of a person. And then the Supreme Court said in 1859 that a black person had no rights that a white man need to respect. So that meant that uh, four million Africans who were in America had no ability to protect themselves or their families. And they were the ones who started what W.B. Du Bois called the Slave Rebellion, uh, which we know as the Civil War. 
And so what we have to understand about America's deadliest uh, conflict is that it was started by uh, black people. Uh, John Brown uh, led the raid on Harper's Ferry after the uh, convention in Chatham, Ontario in 1859, which was supposed to start a rebellion against the United States. So that was is considered the spark for the Civil War because the uh, southern states uh, were not sure that the United States government would uh, fight to protect slavery. So in 1861, South Carolina was the first state to succeed right after the election of Abraham uh, Lincoln, and they specifically said that they were succeeding because um, Abraham Lincoln was not supportive enough of slavery. He didn't say he was trying to get rid of slavery. He just said he wasn't supportive enough. And then uh, uh, 10 other states uh, succeeded. And so you basically had uh, a choice between whether uh, the United States would continue as a nation, and keep in mind that the United States was essentially east of the Mississippi. So uh, what we now know as the United States was only about half uh, done at the time of the Civil War. So um, had the Confederacy uh, succeeded, what was then the United States would have been split in half. And so we never would have grown to uh, have the entire continent and Alaska, that sort of thing. So the Civil War was essentially the foundation of the modern America. So the deciding factor in the Civil War uh, happened in 1862 when um, a gentleman in uh, uh, Hampton, Virginia, decided to leave his plantation and go to Fort Monroe in, uh, uh, on the coast and turn himself over to the Union side. And his slave master came and showed up and asked the general to return him. And the general said, well, he's contraband of war. I'm not giving him back to you. So within about three days, a thousand black folks showed up. And once the word got out about that, uh, almost a million black folks left uh, plantations and went to the Union side. So in September, September 22nd, of 1862, Abraham Lincoln, who had opposed the Emancipation Proclamation and had actually fired generals uh, who had encouraged blacks to uh, leave the plantation, uh, changed his tune because the Union was not faring well in the war and issued the preliminary uh, Emancipation Proclamation, which was a executive order under his uh, uh, military powers and uh, said that if uh, the Confederacy did not 
uh, surrender by January 1st that he would uh, free all, all slaves who were in the areas that were held by the Confederacy. So the Confederacy didn't. And on uh, December 31st, places like uh, 15th Street Presbyterian in Washington and black churches around the, uh, the North, uh, prim- primarily, they had watch night services to pray to make sure that the Emancipation Proclamation went through. So it did, and he signed it on uh, January 1st of 1863. So what we have to understand is that Lincoln didn't free um, the Africans. The Africans freed themselves, and Lincoln found that it was in his uh, in his advantage to encourage more. So the most important part of the Emancipation Proclamation was that it authorized bringing the Africans into the Union Army. So uh, people like Henry Highland Garnett, who's pastor of 15th Street there in Washington, and Frederick Douglass began to organize uh, the freedmen into uh, volunteering for the Union Army. So from um, January 1st, 1863 to the end of 1863, uh, there were 209, 145 uh, U.S. troops of African descent who volunteered for the Union Army. And that was critical because the original volunteers in the Union Army in 1861 on the northern side had three-year enlistments. So the black troops came into the Union Army at a at a time when uh, many of the soldiers were ready to leave. In fact, the worst civil disobedience in history was the anti-draft riots in New York City in 1863, where 1,200 black people were actually killed uh, by people who didn't want to get drafted because white folks were, were, were you know, upset about dying over the war. And so... Uh, Lincoln's solution was, well, if white people don't want to die, we'll bring in the black folks and let them fight. And so these 209,145 U.S. troops, uh, as well as an additional million African Americans who um, basically were civilian labor for the Union Army. So they built the roads, they built the railroads, uh, they fed the troops, they grew crops uh, to basically uh, provide the logistics for the Union Army. So um, so the, the Union Army had twice as many soldiers as the Confederacy, and it also had a million black people helping it out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was that advantage. Let's stop right that, there for a moment. Let's stop right there for a moment because... You said a lot of profound information, but let's all imagine one million black men in the Civil War uh, because it's not emphasized enough. We hear it, but we don't hear it like we're hearing from our guest, John William Templeton. 
Um, you mentioned also the Civil War Museum in Washington, D.C. A lot, a lot of people come to visit D.C. every day. This is a historic city uh, that, that actually has the economy growing on visitors. But, of course, most of them go to what is commonly visited, the, um, the mainstream monuments, if you will. But the Civil War Museum, uh, what is the proper name? And if we come to Washington, D.C., you mentioned the curator, the founder, I believe, Frank Smith. Is he Dr. Frank Smith? I'm not sure. Dr. Yeah, doc, yeah, Dr. Frank Smith, yeah. And tell yeah, us, it's, uh, well, it's, well, tell us for those that do visit, for school teachers that may want to plan school trips, what will, what will they see in this grand museum here in D.C. that just doesn't get a lot of recognition that it deserves? But, Mr. Yeah. Templeton, before you do, I want to say thank you to a sponsor, because without our sponsors, we certainly would not have uh, a radio show. So if you're just tuning in, we just heard a history lesson, if you will, and we need to hear a history lesson, because it's people like Governor DeSantos who knows our history, who's read our history, who understands our history, who knows that we are owed reparations, uh, if you will, and he knows it. So he's doing everything to make sure we don't get to know more than just the one million soldiers our guest is telling us about that were in the war, the Civil War, the North fighting the South uh, to, to free themselves and to make sure we were not born into slavery. So we have a few minutes before we go into this commercial break. Uh, the Civil War Museum, tell us all about it here in Washington, D.C., sir. Well, every African American in the country should visit it because what Dr. Uh, Smith has done is put the names and the units of all 209, 145 uh, U.S. troops of African descent who served in the Civil War, and they come from every state. And so, and I think there are over 200 regiments and also folks who served in a third of the U.S. of the Union Navy was also black. So um, at least half of today's African Americans have an ancestor that's on that uh, memorial. And so particularly for school children, we, we, we really encourage them to have as an exercise for them to trace their family back to 1870, which was the first census where African Americans are counted because 
once they do that, they're going to know how long their ancestors have been in this country. And so what's really powerful about the African-American Civil War um, memorial is is the, the quote from Frederick Douglass that kind of goes along the top, and it says that uh, basically those uh, who wish to be free must must pick up the sword, you know, which goes to your earlier uh, comment. And so, what what you what you begin to understand is uh, what the U.S. Army Center for Military History's history of blacks in the Civil War is called is freedom with the sword. So so nobody gave us our freedom. We fought for it, and we defeated the people who had kept us in slavery. And so I've done an exercise with some high school kids, and I asked them um, what did they know about Hebrew slavery. And they all raised their hand and said, well, Moses parted the Red Sea, and uh, they were free. I said, well, what do you know about uh, African slavery? Well, only one kid raised his hand. He said, well, we were over there, and they came and got us, and then we were over here. I said, did you just notice the difference in your response? (laughs) I said, said, well, you talked about Hebrew slavery. You started with freedom. We talked about black freedom. We never got out. I said, yeah, how does that make you feel? They said, well, we, we feel like we're still slaves. I said, I said, well, how would you feel if you knew that you were the descendants of people who won their own freedom? They said, well, we'd feel like we could do anything. I said, bingo. So, you know, to your point, um, you know, there's no, there's no archaeological evidence that the Red Sea parted. You know? Well, uh, the only... Uh, a whole new story. Okay. Yeah, we're going to take. Well, no, go ahead, finish that sentence, and we'll take that commercial break because we don't want to lose that sentence. The only, the only time in history when people have basically turned to their creator and said, "We are uh, uh, captured." against people who have all the weapons, all the money, all the laws, and we are are putting ourselves in your hands to free us. The only instance in, in, in our history, you know, where that happened is African Americans. And That's what so, I'm talking about. So we, we, we are the ones. Yes, sir. That's a good place to break it, that we turn to God Almighty, and we're the only ones that turned to him and became victorious. Finish your comment on the other side. We're going to take a quick commercial break here on Near2X Radio, the voice of the people. Keep it right here with our guest, Brother John William Templeton. We'll be back in a moment. Assalamu alaikum, which means peace be unto you. My name is Dr. Isan Muhammad. In 2011, I had the honor and privilege to begin top first class 
quality, free medical training in Havana, Cuba. Here and now in 2024, I'm now a medical doctor and have returned to the United States. Here part one of my incredible story and journey right here on NIA2X Radio, the voice of the people, titled Fidel Castro Started Free Medical Doctor Training. The show is dated August 12, 2023. And now, here's news you can use. Follow the leader when it comes to great journalism. The Washington Informer newspaper, a free publication picked up throughout the DMV. That's D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. When you want balanced, informative, updated news and information, especially about issues in the black community, you can't afford to rely on any other news source except the Washington Informer newspaper. Call them today. Get their affordable advertising rates. The Washington Informer is a weekly publication with over 50,000 readers. Call right now, 202-561-4100, and ask about subscription details. Again, that's 202-561-4100, the Washington Informer newspaper. All right. We want to say thank you to our sponsors. Thank you. Indeed, we couldn't do it without them. So be sure, wherever you are in the country, in the world, shop quality professional black-owned businesses. And we know a lot of them really need to be quality and professional. So we're working on it. And, you know, if we have to correct them, do it with love. But we have to keep the economy, the black economy, of what is that, $1.5 trillion that is going out to everyone else who doesn't love, like, who does disrespect us, can't stand us, but they're taking our money because we're giving it to them rather than uh, turn it back to our own services, businesses, organizations, and yes, we need a lot of work on ourselves to bring it up to where the customers are satisfied They go out and tell somebody the truth about how great service was from your company, indeed. And that's why we here, when we advertise, we talk to our businesses to make sure that we stand up and stand out in service to you. So thank you to them all. Now, we're going back to Brother John William Templeton. Obviously, sir, you know a lot about history. Uh, Are you a historian? What is your educational background? Or are you just an activist, a researcher, one that is just born to make sure our story is told truthfully, the good and the bad? What's your background, Brother John? Well, actually, you just mentioned my classmate from Howard, uh, Denise Rolock Barnes, uh, the publisher of the Washington Informer. I'm part of the first freshman class of the School of Communication at Howard University in '72, back when t- Tony Brown was dean. 
Uh, I also was blessed to work in the Moreland Spingarn Research Center under uh, Dorothy Porter, who was the Dean of Black Archivists. And so uh, my uh, academic uh, specialty has been in the uh, history of African-American newspapers. And so um, I went to a grad school at University of North Carolina in black studies. And in fact, uh, I'm the opening speaker for the National Council for Black Studies Conference in San Jose uh, in about four weeks or so. But I've written uh, 67 books, uh, mostly history. uh, And also I'm the founder of National Black Business Month each uh, August, and we do the state of black business every year since 2004. So um, um, so basically, I've spent 52 years uh, as a historian. In fact, I was White House correspondent for the Afro-American in 76. So I was the first person to write about Black History Month back in January 1976 and did a investigation of the Schomburg Library in New York City and why it was so small. So the mm. because of the article I did, they built the current Schomburg Center in Oh, wow. Big props to so, you. Yeah, big props so to that you. Was, that that was the result of the first uh, Black History Month, the, the Schomburg Center. So yeah, uh, involved, basically tried involved. to uh, keep it true to the uh, the um, intent of Dr. Woodson, uh, that uh, it's a time for us to to research and archive our history as opposed to going out and just having social events. So, so I'm uh, a working uh, black historian, and I've been able to uh, eke out a meager living. <laughs> Black well, it's really, really good. Um, I love black history. I teach black history to youth. I want to know your feeling about not only DeSantis, but uh, the, the, the rest of them that know the value of our struggle and the uh, reparations that you couldn't even pay just in money. Your thoughts about Governor DeSantis and the work to omit, destroy, dismantle, and not teach the most important history of a people unparalleled to anyone in the universe that I ever heard about. Your thoughts, Professor? Well, um, my podcast is The Promised Land, and... um, you know, I did uh, our 10 plan, the African-American economic strategy back in 2014. So um, Martin Luther King's last speech, uh, he said, and this is really the, 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 the message we need to take away from him. He said, I may not get there with you, but we as a people will get to the promised land. And they shot him the next day. So... Um, so what I've been trying to do for the last uh, 10 years is to quantify what is the promised land, what, you know, how do we know when we get there, and how do we get there. So, um, so our goal is to reach 10% of American GDP 
for um, uh, African-American aggregate income. Right now we're about 4%. So we started out as three-fifths of a man. Now economically we're about 42% of a person. So as uh, John Harmon, who's uh, the uh, head of the New Jersey uh, African-American Chamber, said, we, we're hustling backward, right? So, uh, but under our plan that I, I had a chance to uh, speak about with uh, Reverend Sharpton during the opening of U.S. Black Chambers uh, Conference back in July, uh, we are on course to actually get to the promised land by America's 250th anniversary uh, in 2026 because of the electoral and legislative and executive gains that we've had since 2020. So the reason that we're having this profound backlash is that people see that we are on course to actually uh, fulfill the promise of uh, the 14th Amendment where we actually have equal protection of the law. And equal protection of the law means that we have the means and the substance to protect ourselves uh, legally and politically and economically. Uh, we're able to feed ourselves. I mean, uh, you know, we don't, there, there aren't 10 black grocery stores in the whole country, right? So we're, we're being fed by people who hate black people, right? So that doesn't make any sense. Um, right. You know, we're being clothed by people who don't like black people. That doesn't make any sense. So at, at, at any point, you know, all those things could be cut off. And so, uh, so we're on a crash program to make sure that we uh, have thriving black communities. I'm chairman of the Central Brooklyn Economic uh, development Corporation in Brownsville, New York City, Brooklyn. That's actually the, uh, Reverend Sharpton's uh, home neighborhood. I'm, I'm not trying to name drop, but it just, just happens to be the case. And uh, so, so, so we've created own Brownsville, where we're uh, creating a, a, a corridor, of 50 black-owned businesses, so our people can work, and so we can have our own food. And and movie uh, 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 and healthcare and all that sort of thing, and that's really the, the 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 position that we've gotten ourselves into because of what we did in 2020 when we uh, voted in such large numbers. And so the reason that we have the 14th Amendment is that these black folks, after having won the Civil War. Uh, they went out and, and, and registered to vote, and the U.S. Army protected them, and 90% of them turned out to vote, and they elected U.S. Grant. Uh, you know, he won by 300,000 votes, and 500,000 black people voted for him. So the, the 14th Amendment got passed in uh, 1868 to keep the South from putting people back into slavery. The 13th Amendment ended slavery, but it didn't have any enforcement. So the 14th Amendment uh, was designed to uh, do several important things. First, it said that there was equal protection of the law. 
then the second thing said everybody was born here was a citizen. So those two things invalidated Dred Scott and three-fifths clause in the original uh, Constitution. But then it went further. Uh, the uh, South was trying to bankrupt the country by refusing to pay the debt. Uh, and so uh, the full faith and credit clause is the foundation of our economy. Before that, there was no single currency. You know, banks would issue, issue currency and it wouldn't, you know, the bank failed, you were out of luck. Right, so it was only because of blacks in the Civil War that the United States created a currency. Right, uh, then uh, the 14th Amendment said the full faith and credit of the United States is behind the public debt. So that meant that uh, all of the expansion and all of the rebuilding of the country after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. That was able to be done because the United States could borrow money anywhere and it had the full faith and credit of the United States. And that's why the United States became the dominant power in the world because it had the ability to raise money uh, in any circumstance. And so when, when, when white people say, well, why, why should white people support black people getting reparations? Well, because everything you have as a result is a gift from black people. Because everything you have was taken from somebody by the U.S. government. Right, so you don't you don't have anything as an individual. The land you live in, the 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 roads you travel, the 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 sea you sail in was taken from somebody else by the U.S. government. So, uh, so so, and that's that's a gift from black people, right? Because white people didn't have enough sense to keep the U.S. government together. So black people came in and uh, uh, preserved the United States government even though it was the same government that had put them in slavery. And so uh, what, what, what's, what's also important is that in 1868, there were, there were no democracies anywhere in the world, right? Most okay. places had, had kings, right? So the creation of the 14th Amendment was the, the 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 shining light for everybody that people could could govern themselves, and so that's why the Statue of Liberty was donated by France to the United States. It was to celebrate the 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 accomplishment of people coming out of slavery convincing their fellow citizens to vote a constitutional amendment to end slavery and to make them citizens and then to participate in the uh, elections and then get the 15th Amendment, which guaranteed black people the right to vote. So black men got the right to vote 50 years before white women. And so that all was because of the country's gratitude for black people saving the nation in battle. And so mm -hmm. that's why we have to understand what the 14th Amendment, it wasn't given to us. This was, this was a covenant. It's like, okay, 
uh, y'all saved the country. We would not have a country if it wasn't for black people. Everybody understood that back then. And mm-hmm. one of the things I like to tell people is that, you know, no black people voted for the 13th Amendment. Everybody voted for the 13th Amendment. Yeah, two-thirds of Congress and three-fourths of the state legislature. Those are all white men. And those are all white men who said we wouldn't have this country if it wasn't for those black soldiers, those 209,145 black soldiers on the mm-hmm. African-American Civil War memorial. And so, you know, to put it in context, we got three constitutional amendments in five years. All of them were approved in less than a year. Those were the only three constitutional amendments of the entire 19th century. Oh, you know, it's a lot there of wasn't, people. There wasn't another constitutional amendment until 1916. Well, a lot of people still didn't learn in school about the 10 years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and how many black prominent senators, governors, congressmen coming out of slavery, to your point, not only winning the war, but going into government legislating. And, 2000. Uh, it was 2,000 of them? Two, 2,000 black elected officials. And uh, that went on for around 10 years? Well, actually, it took until 1905 for 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 the uh, Jim Crow to take effect. So, so, so it... Uh, uh, the, I think the last black congressman was in 1905, uh, so it took it took them a while. It wasn't you know because because black folks were resisting and uh, there were black state militias that fought back against the uh, um, you know the the return. Essentially, uh, what happened was that in the, the you know. Um, and this is what we have to understand about the 14th Amendment. It was a result of hearings by the Joint Reconstruction Committee uh, that went out and, and took testimony from black folks about what was happening to them. And so there are 11 volumes of outrages, and it's called outrages. And so so the 14th Amendment is a result of testimony about violence against African Americans. So, so, so if you could multiply George Floyd times about a hundred thousand, that's what the, the the Joint Reconstruction Committee testimony is, and they break it down for every state. So, so in my book, Citizenship for All, I I summarize uh, for every state what actually happened to cause Congress to pass the 14th Amendment. And so, so we have to understand that the 14th Amendment was, not, was a result of white illegal behavior uh, and whites not uh, abiding by the 13th Amendment. And so then Congress passed the Civil Rights Act of 1866, uh, which is still used, actually the most powerful Civil Rights Act has ever passed, which in most police brutality cases, this is the Civil Rights Act of 1866 is used. And then it passed the Anti-Ku Klux Klan Acts of 
And then the Justice Department was created in 1870 to enforce the 14th Amendment. So after the 14th Amendment... Hold that statement right there. Hold that statement right there because we talk about the Justice Department all day and every day. You just said that the Justice Department linking to this incredible information on the 14th Amendment, but you stated that the Justice Department was created to protect the 14th Amendment? It was created to enforce the 14th Amendment. And he so enforced. the first year of the Justice okay. Department, they arrested 3,000 white men for violence against African Americans. Now, I don't think most of us know that. And, and it's a point that, that we shouldn't, you know, like skate by. That, that's, that's a very profound point because... And, and well, so we when we talk about the 14th Amendment, we need to, to, to be able to say, and this is why people like DeSantis don't want us to learn the history, because uh, mm-hmm. if we know why the 14th Amendment happened, it was because everybody was just revolted by the barbarism and the savagery that former Confederates, you know, took out against African Americans, the the the. the Precipitating event for the 14th Amendment was the uh, the Memphis massacre and the New Orleans massacre. So in New Orleans, they were having a constitutional convention in the Mechanics Institute, and um, there were 200 blacks who were former Union soldiers, and whites came and surrounded them, and then went in and killed them all. So oh. that 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 you know, just revolted the whole country. And so the 14th Amendment got passed in a year because people said, well, we just we just fought the Civil War to defeat the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And y'all going out and killing the people who mm-hmm. won the war for us, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and one of the things you have to remember is twice as many white people fought for the Union as fought for the Confederacy. So... So slavery and white whiteness isn't synonymous. You know, I want to get into, uh, I know the reason black people or soldiers fought, you know, in the Civil War, but I want to hear your analysis and information about why whites, what, what was their reason. I mean, like, I want to be clear. I have an idea, but I want to be clear. I'm going to uh, get back to it after we say thank you, uh, taking a quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Near 2X Radio, the voice of the people. We're found profanity-free 24-7 at Black on Black. Make that www.blackonblackunity.com. Our guest is historian, author, researcher, Brother John William Templeton, and he just told us he has two books on the market. If you, uh, if you are just tuning in, he's given us a wealth of information so that we can understand especially how important uh, the protection of the 14th Amendment is because those that are going after our civil and human rights are looking to legislate them, in other, words, in other words, change the laws. And they have already gutted out 
two of the amendments or two titles in the Civil Rights Historic Bill signed in 1964. Keep it right here. We'll be right back. Listen, for the love of our ancestors, my brothers and sisters, vote. Too many of our ancestors suffered, sacrificed, fought hard. They were hung, castrated, burned alive, maimed, murdered, tortured, horrified, terrorized, so that today we, brothers and sisters, could have the right to vote. For the love of our ancestors, vote. Even if you are upset about the choices, for the love, gratitude, understanding, and responsibility, vote. This message is brought to you by Sunshine Tours and Travel, who specialize in black history tours in the country and abroad. See them online at www.blackonblackunity.com. So also we want to say thank you to S&B Movers. S&B Movers are the very best to call when you need to move or simply have large furniture you want moved away. Their service is reliable, affordable, and dependable. In today's market with escalating prices all around us, S&B movers are keeping their prices reasonable and their services remain exceptional and professional. S&B movers, they serve from as far north as New York and as far south as Georgia. Call the professionals, S&B Movers, 240-507-7103. Back to our guest, who is providing what the opposition don't want us talking about, thinking about, and certainly don't want us to know. But when you know, that's when we can connect the dots. That's when it all makes sense. And we won't have people saying in 2024, why should I vote? You, you, you're saying that because we don't have the answers. We don't have the past connecting it to today. And so we can't properly project tomorrow. But you better know that our open enemies are planning night and day around the clock for not only our demise, but the demise of our children's great-grandchildren. They are serious. We should be, too. This is a very serious program tonight, and we want to make sure we give our closing comments. Uh, we went past the time, but it was, it was worth it. It was worth it because that 14th Amendment, I need you to tell us about your classes so that others that may have questions, comments, et cetera, can get a hold of finding out how to learn more and to be better, better equipped with knowledge of the 14th Amendment and our responsibility as citizens to ourselves. Well, you can go to... Uh uh, blackmoney.com uh, protecting 14th Amendment uh, and uh, uh, register for our 
class, which will be at 1 o'clock Eastern uh, every Saturday in February. That begins February 3rd. February 3rd is the date of the ratification of the 15th Amendment, which was completion of the trilogy of amendments, and the 15th Amendment guaranteed the right to vote. And and as, as you mentioned, uh, when when we got the right to vote, we had fought for it. So uh, 90% of us turned out to vote. Uh, for instance, in Texas, um, being 80% of the people who voted for the Texas Constitutional Convention were black because whites boycotted it. And so um, that's the level of civic participation that we had coming out of slavery. Uh, so we need to understand not only did we fight for these constitutional uh, uh, protections, but we were very active in really being the exemplars for democracy. And so people all over the world saw us. And so this is why black people, when we travel, we are probably the most respected people anywhere in the world. Everybody wants to be like us because people understand that we were the ones that gave the gift of democracy uh, to people around the uh, world. So like I said, we, we hope you join us during February, on February 3rd, February 10th, February 17th, and February 24th uh, for protecting the 14th Amendment. Now, now, what is the contact information? Uh, the site is black blackmoney.com uh, backslash protecting the 14th Amendment. Uh, you can call me at uh, 415-547-9851. Uh, you can also find out more about me at johnwilliamtempleton.com. You know, I had asked a question um, from your research. What were whites fighting for? Is it just to maintain the union, as it said a lot about Mr. Lincoln. And if you can, give us, tell us after then, what was Lincoln's aim? Because he was trying to send us back to Liberia, Africa. But before you do, what were the white uh, Caucasian soldiers fighting for in a nutshell? Well, um a lot of whites uh, opposed slavery because they saw it as unfair competition. So they understood that it was it was reducing uh, wages for them because you know certain people had people that they didn't have to pay anything. Uh, but uh, part of what Lincoln did was that he put a whole lot of incentives into it. So uh, in 1863, he created the Homestead Act, also created land-grant colleges. So the Homestead Act gave free land uh, to, uh, to white folks, uh, and that's basically how the West got settled. The West hadn't been settled yet. Then the land-grant colleges basically was able to give education. Uh, and so, uh, so essentially, uh, Lincoln and Seward bribed uh, white people 
so that they got an economic benefit out of ending slavery. And so that's why uh, we can definitely argue with people who say, why are black people uh, seeking reparations? Like, well, you got yours. <laughs> you, 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 you got paid for us to be free, right? <laughs> so so we just, all, we, all we want is the same thing you got, you know? Now, now doing your research here in, in the last part of our interview, Lincoln had a black mother. She she wasn't she she was not all Caucasian. What does your research show? You know, I've never looked into that, so that's something I would have to uh look into, but uh uh one of the you know, my 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 big focus has been African American history in the West. And one of I the see. things that that uh uh, I found in looking at uh, the Spanish uh, settlements is that uh, the Europeans didn't generally didn't bring women with them. So, um, so whoever got born was a combination of European and Native American and Black, right? So, um, in in the Spanish uh, territories, they had like 35 different categories for race because of all the mixing that was happening. And we're now, able I saw to trace... A of it. Yeah, I saw a yeah, picture we of doing a black history uh, observance from Dr. Edwin Nichols, a researcher, mm-hmm. um, you know, here in D.C., and I came to a place where I was employed and passed a picture around. And his mother was what we call Creole, you know. And, in fact, his um, running opponent would clearly tell the people to vote for him. Why would you vote for that end is what they were calling um, uh, uh, Lincoln. And, they, and according to Dr. Nichols, when you look on the $5 bill, they've brightened up his face and broadened his nose or made it longer or something, changed the appearance. But it's not the only place I've heard it. I think uh, J.A. Rogers wrote a book, um, The Five Black U.S. Presidents. So it's just something really interesting to continue to And, and the point I'm trying black. to make is that uh, uh, there are a whole lot of people who um, – uh, chose to list themselves as white, who have uh, uh, black ancestry, just just as a uh, just just as a logistical matter of the the, the small uh, percentage of white women who uh, came over. So, and I think if you look at uh, Skip Gates' show, you will find a number of his uh, white guests have been surprised to find out that they had black ancestry. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, in, in the frontier area that uh, there would be uh, mixing because you know, it's just, uh, uh, just the, the, the statistical probability of, of very few, um, you know, couplings where, where somebody, you know, uh, came from Europe and, 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 and made it with somebody else who was from Europe. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not probable. The other thing that's interesting, 
and I'll throw this out, is that uh, there were one million uh, African, Africans in the United States in 1830. And at the time of the Civil War, there were four million. And the slave trade had ended. So somehow there was a 400% increase in the number of Africans in 30 years. And so, so one of the issues that uh, goes into the whole controversy about abortion is essentially the breeding of Africans like uh, animals. And, and one of the ways that black women rebelled against that was to kill their children so they wouldn't uh, go into slavery. And so there's a very significant racial component to some of these laws against abortion because, you know, they were basically trying to protect black folks as property by telling folks not to uh, uh, choose whether they wanted to have a child or not. And so uh, that's, that's a really, really uh, interesting uh, question for people to research into. So, um, you know, there are... I would say most of the questions that we can pose about black history haven't been answered yet, but uh, those who lived it uh, were very well-spoken. They were very uh, articulate, and the more we go back and listen to their voices, the uh, clearer the future will be. Well, I've enjoyed this. Again, we are over. Um, it's so interesting, our story. We're coming up on what is called Black History Month. But on this station, we practice black history 24-7 permanently like we just did. But what made it even more significant, our guest emphasizing how important it is for all of us to understand the 14th Amendment. He's giving four classes only. We should take those classes. Uh, is there a cost to the class, sir? Uh, yeah, it's uh, $44, and that, that includes the, uh, the book, uh, Citizenship for All. Yes, sir. So it, it's not 44 It's $44 for all, for total. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Please, brothers and sisters, in this war, arm yourselves, arm ourselves with knowledge. Because once it gets in our minds, nobody can take it from us. This is a crucial, crucial year where you have a president that has been indicted and charged with all kinds of crimes, and he is running for president, and you have too many that are ready to support him, it's the agenda. It's not him. It's the agenda that is against you and I. Well, I want to thank you, Brother John John William Templeton. Please come back because I do plan to take your class. I want to learn more in order to put on my full honor of God in opposing and fighting back in this war. You got 10, 15, 20 seconds, your last comments, and we got to shut it down, brother. Well, like I said, just uh, come and join us. Uh, you know, you can get the books at uh, CaliforniaBlackHistory.com.
All right. Well, thank you. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our fabulous listeners. Thank you to our extraordinary guest, author, brother, John William Templeton. Thank you to you, the engineer, Mousy. And uh, keep it right here on NIA2X Radio, the voice of the people. You mentioned you had a podcast. How can people hear you, brother? It's about getting that knowledge. It's, uh, it's the promised land, and if you go to uh, blackmoney.com, you'll see a, a link to, to, to the podcast. All right, the promised land. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so much. Brothers and sisters, stay woke. Indeed, stay woke. Uh, You know, people say wake up. No, get up, stand up, and stay woke. Peace, love, and God, justice to you all.